Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, hosted by Brooke and Farron. Your personal growth matters, and we're here to help. Hey team, this is episode 37 of our Daring Greatly mini-series. We're in the interviews, so last week was Farron's interview, Vulnerable as Can Be, talked about miscarriages. Good for you, friend. Oh, thanks. And then today we have Randy on the show, and he is one of our preachers at our church, Community Life, and we've talked about our church a lot on the podcast. Because it's awesome. Yeah, it's the best one. Uh, So Randy, feel free to introduce yourself. Okay, Uh, so I'm Randy, and one of the pastors at Community Life Church, Uh, married to Marlo for 20-something years. I love her name. I think we're going on like 23 at this point. Uh, we have three kids. My oldest is a grad, uh, a senior, so she's going to graduate from high school, and I'm all up in a knot about that. Oh yeah, if I'm I just bet. Being honest about it. Oh yeah. Uh, my middle one, he just found out today. He's 13, and he found out he won the uh, coupon card selling contest. Oh, oh heck yeah! What did he win? Yeah, so 175 dollars cash. What the prizes changed because <laughs> usually it's like you get like, this necklace. And you're like, I don't yeah, want that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he's uh, he's he's super excited, and then today was. Um, a field trip day for my youngest, who's nine years old. Where so, was the field trip? Rise in Rockwall. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so they played kickball and yeah, field trips are awesome. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it was fun, uh, but yeah. So I was a part of helping start Sea Life fourteen years ago, and was a youth pastor before that. I don't know. Yeah, worked your way up that ladder. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I don't know, know how churches work. Know. So. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so today, again, we're following Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. So it's all about vulnerability. So today, particularly, we're talking about in one's Christian walk. So I know y'all, y'all, us, we, mm-hmm. at Community Life, I mean, community's in the name. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of ties together generally with the church sure. and yeah. what it means. So when we started the church... Um, and, and it's really hard to talk about it without it making it sound like it's slam on other churches because that's really not the goal. Right. Every church has its own kind of culture and, and DNA. And when we started Sea Life, really one of the things that we wanted, part of the vision, was just that it would be a place where people could be authentic and real and honest. Uh, we honestly didn't want to be a church that had programs every night of the week that kept us away from our families. And so from the very beginning, whenever people would say stuff like, well, why don't we have RAs or GAs or Awana or why don't, why don't we do this program or that program? We're like, well, because we want to, we just want to be with our families. Like we think that that's really important. And it was such a massive culture shift for so many people because they thought, but you're supposed to be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday night for outreach, Tuesday night for another Bible study or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like literally from the very beginning, that culture of no, we're going to, kind of form the church this way and we're going to operate this way and we're going to tell you the truth as to why and it's and we're not making up anything that is supposed to sound better than it actually is we just want to be with our families right. we want to be able to go to our kids games we want to that's a good thing be able to actually <laughs> sit in the living room with our families and yeah. not feel guilty about it and not have to actually put an appointment on our calendar for our kids right and so i guess you know that whole idea of community and just on the very front end of the church um we wanted, we wanted the culture to be, here's why we're doing certain things certain ways, and here's the honest reason why we're doing them that yeah. way. And it may offend your conscience a little bit because it's not what you're used to, mm-hmm. 
but it's the truth. It's the reason we're doing it this way. That's just one example. I like that all the truth stuff. I'm like, yeah, because we're both, we talk about the Enneagram on our podcast. So we're both one. So everything mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm like, yeah, yep. preach it. Yes. Yep. No gray area. It's all black <laughs> uh, and white. Uh-huh. I've been really trying to <laughs> do better with that. Well, I married a nine. So she's she, a nine. I'm okay. sorry. No, I'm no it's awesome. She's a peacemaker and mm-hmm. doesn't ever really want to get in a fight about anything. And mm-hmm. my black and white tendencies, it works out just fine because <laughs> I just live in a world where I'm convinced that I'm right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. So again, with vulnerability, you mentioned this. I love that the preachers preach from like yourself. You're preaching whatever we're wanting to do or needing to do. You are saying, I struggle with this too. Sure. I think that's a game changer because a lot of times you grow up in a church or you have this vision of church of these preachers are saying, you need to do this and you need to do that instead of saying, um, hello, I'm struggling here. So I think that is a huge buy-in for me, but for others too. I think people really appreciate vulnerability when it's not them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what Brene Brown talks about too. Like we love it when other people do it, but it also helps you guys lead from the front. So that's what I like. How did you make that shift? I'm guessing that you were had deep roots in a church prior to starting your own. So there had to be vulnerability and kind of voicing that you were looking for something else after you've invested so much time in the church you were in. And then how did you guys build the vulnerability and you know the bravery and confidence to lead in a way that you may not have always seen modeled. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's not a loaded question. No, it's I don't good. Know no, it's good. It's good. So uh, good. one time I was I was preaching on a Sunday morning whenever I was a student pastor. About what age? Uh, I was probably at the time twenty seven. Mm-hmm. I would guess twenty seven, twenty eight. And um, whenever I finished, one of my mentors in in just kind of the faith. Uh, approached me and said, hey, listen, that was really good, but you were too honest. Mm. And I didn't really, I didn't even know how to take that. And so I, I asked, I said, what do you mean too, on, too honest? He's like, well, people need someone that they can look up to and follow. And whenever you confess in front of everybody that you struggle with things, it causes them to think less of you. And I think I'd always kind of sensed that that was the role of the pastors to be the guy that's, you know, got everything together and everything's going good and you don't have, you know, your kids are perfect and you never get stressed out. There's never a money issue or whatever. Right. And, um, but I always knew that wasn't true of me. And frankly, I knew it wasn't true of any of the pastors that I knew. Right. And so whenever I pushed a little bit and said, what do you mean exactly by that? Like, why, why would I not want to? And then they responded. It, it really was for me. That was one of those, those, pivotal moments where I thought I'm not long for this culture like I don't I don't even know how to function here and it's not because I'm really awesome or anything it's I'm I'm broken and I've got all kinds of stuff you know I we can go into it I but there's just a lot and and I knew at that at that point like at that point I knew I, I knew my whole story and I knew my temptations and I knew my frustrations and I knew my fears and all those sorts of things and I thought, well, I can't teach. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to do that. What would you like me to say? <laughs> right, yeah. Because that's not helpful to them. And, and this person in particular, there was a part of me that was just like, I know they know yeah. mm-hmm. about you. Like, I know they know about some of the things that you struggle with. And how much more liberated would you be in your, in your leadership if you're able to just be honest about it? Right. Because you're not fooling anybody except yourself. And so, anyway, I just, that for me was one of those moments. It was so clarifying 
And I thought, I know at some point God's going to get me out of this kind of a culture. And then when we started talking about sea life, you know, there's three of us that help start the thing. And we're all equal in terms of what we get paid. We're equal in terms of how we're held accountable by the overseers. We're, we're equal across, just kind of across the board. And that's really been good because where there's no equality, there's no true accountability. Mm -hmm. And so we, you say, how did we kind of, I guess, massage this into the, the church itself? I don't know that it was, it was, it was intentional, but it was also very natural Mm -hmm. because we were constantly being held accountable by each other. So if I come in and I'm having a really bad day, um, there are two people there that are going to call that out of me and, Mm -hmm. and I can do the same for them. Uh, or if I'm having a great day, or if I'm wrestling with fear and I'm becoming overwhelmed with fear or whatever. I've had people that are equal to me in terms of position. Because a lot of times if there's just one guy at the top or one lady at the top, mm-hmm. everybody that's down here, they're like, right. well, I'm not saying that to them. Right. And so we just had this culture. God made it. It was just, I don't know. I mean, I look at it. I look back and I'm like, it's miraculous because there's some really cool things that happen that we love the fruit of it, but I'm not sure we necessarily knew we were cultivating that into the culture, right. but, but think, he allowed it to happen. I think it's interesting that the person mentioned that people are looking for someone to follow. And if the leader's modeling, hey, I have all this brokenness, but I'm going to stand up in front of my peers and act as if everything's perfect, people are going to follow that. And how many people do we know that you know, put on this front, mm-hmm. and I don't mean suck it up and, you know, get out there yeah, on your there's low a days, there. Mm-hmm. but you are modeling, again, this perception of look like you have it all together, you know, keeping up with the Joneses while you have all this brokenness and sin in your life, so they are following that, so which one are they going to want to follow? Sure, right. Yeah. Well, and you see it all through the scripture, mm-hmm. I mean, the New Testament, especially when you look at Paul, he's the clearest example in my mind, because he, he clearly said there are things I know I shouldn't do that I wind up doing and there's stuff that I know I should do that I don't do. Yes. And, you know, there's this tension and but mm-hmm. he was putting it out there. He says, you know, why should I be the one to do this? Like I'm the least one that would be worthy to do these things or whatever. To me that's him being honest because in those moments he wasn't feeling it. Mm-hmm. But God had called him and so he still needed to be obedient to right. that. And he still needed to pin what he was supposed to pin and preach what he was supposed to preach. Um, but all along the way in his letters, you see where he's confessing things. And to right. me, that's vulnerability. It's, it's For sure. keeping it out there and trying to, trying to be authentic with it. I like how you also specifically talked about how you, Paul and David come to a, an agreement on being vulnerable and being in community with each other. Like mm-hmm. you said, if you are having a bad day or if you're acting some type of one way, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but having those people to be able to call that out of you and be like, Hey, yeah. so let's reframe it or why don't you tell me what's really going on I think that is extremely helpful and I like how you guys again are leading from the front and you're modeling it so it's easier for us to figure out how to do it too yeah one point Brene Brown brings up throughout the book is that you know vulnerability doesn't mean just going out and airing your dirty laundry Mm -hmm. to like everybody um really looking at your motive behind it and then finding the right people to share that with so I'm sure there's things that you share with um the other two leaders that maybe you don't always bring, you know, standing in front of the whole church crowd. Yeah, right. Yeah. So choosing what you are going to be vulnerable about, vulnerable about with different entities. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a, a passage that talks about not throwing your pearls before the swine. There, there is, there are some things that the audience is important. You know, and right. are they able to appreciate? Are they able to hold you accountable to the appropriate level? You know, mm-hmm. um, are they able to? 
get enough of the truth or the story to be able to make the proper judgment for the, you know their role mm-hmm. in in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Sometimes the answer is no. You know, there and there's some things that like right now there are some things that I would confess to the church at large mm-hmm. that I'm my nine year old's not ready for. Right. You know, and so right. I've got to be really careful with that too. There is something. A lot of times I think it's easy to go, well, I'm an open book and I'll tell you anything and I'm not scared again. Mm-hmm. And I'm really not, but I still need to be a good steward right. of those things because sometimes the audience isn't ready right. for whatever the confession is or whatever the moment of vulnerability is. So if, let's say hypothetically, I'm trying to find the people I need to be vulnerable with. So what are some steps on like, you know, good friends and bad friends. So what are some examples or what, walk me through that. If someone's like, I don't know where to start. If I want to do better as a Christian, how do I do that in community mm-hmm. slash being vulnerable? Like, how do you choose, like, an accountability partner and, like, who, like, what do you look for with, in someone to be vulnerable with? Yeah, and I still struggle with, <laughs> with that to a degree because, again, there are things. So I've got, I've got two, what I would say, two accountability partners. One just turned 73, I think, and the other is 45, so same age as I am. And I meet with one on Monday morning for breakfast, and I meet with one on Wednesday mornings for breakfast. And it's really intentional, and, and it's not every week, oh, here's all the areas where I'm a failure, or here's where I need you praying for me, or here's where I'm really struggling. Most weeks, it's not that. It's just very relational. We're talking about our kids, or he's talking about his grandkids, or what's coming up in the life of the church, or whatever. So um, our conversations are are not always... I think, and the reason I'm pointing that out is I think sometimes we go, well, if it's accountability, it's got to be really deep and emotional every time. And I still, that hasn't been my experience. Right. So, um, and, and so the reason I've, I've got those two, one, it was sort of intentional, but um, I wanted one uh, one person who's quite a bit older than me that could help me with things. And so like, like a my, mentor role. Yeah. So whenever mm-hmm. my 14 year old wanted to start dating and I was like, oh, uh, no, we've got a rule. We've got a rule. You know, yes. she tells us date until she's 16. Yes. And, uh, he's, or and, 30. Yeah, and he helped me with that because he asked me, he said, so is she causing you problems at home? I said, no. Is she disrespectful? No. Um, has she given you any reason to doubt? Blah, 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 whatever. And it wasn't no, 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 no. He said, okay, well, I was just making sure. And then he just got quiet. And I said, well, is there more? Advise me, sir. Yeah, is there Where's more? The and he said, well, I just, let me ask you this. He said, whenever she turns 16, if she's rebelling and going against your authority and causing you all kinds of grief or whatever, what are you going to do with your rule then? And I said, well, I'll change it. He says, so you'll change your rule when she's disobedient, but you won't bend your rule at all oh, when she's not. You know, and Mind I, blown. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. But I needed that. Like, I needed that. Yeah. And so I went home that afternoon, and I was talking to my daughter, who was 14, about to be 15. And I said, do you think you're ready to date somebody you know or whatever and um she said oh daddy i don't know she said that's why i have to trust you and mom <gasps> oh, yes how right? did, okay so how did you get to that point because that's what we need to do I right now uh, grace <laughs> of god yes. she's my oldest and i've still got two so okay ask me later how <laughs> stay that works tuned out. yeah but the, i guess the reason I, I went and chased that rabbit was um i needed him to help me get to that conversation with my daughter and god leveraged my conversation with my daughter to give me the peace I needed. So, mm-hmm. but it, I never would have gotten to that. I don't think had I not had somebody in my life that was willing to push back a little bit and go, right. you really love your rules, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm one on the Enneagram. Clearly I got a rule. Uh, and so, and then the one who's 45, our kids are basically the same age. 
and we we talk about parenting stuff kind of in the trenches. Um, I haven't answered your question yet. I know I'm getting. No. I promise I'm getting. No, this is good. But I think those two for me are the reason it's so healthy for me is because I've got somebody who's a lot further along who's able to tell me, Randy, calm down, mm-hmm. chill out, and it's mm-hmm. going to be okay. That's so hard to do. No, yeah. thank you. It, this this season's going to pass. It's going to be gone before you know it, and when it's gone, you're going to miss it, and you know all these kinds of things. And then I've got somebody else that's able to say, "Man, I, I totally feel where you're at," mm-hmm. you know, because. Our kids are dealing with things that my 70-year-old yeah. mentors, right. his kids didn't deal with right. in terms of the social media stuff mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, and so I have both of those. How did I pick those those two? Um, it was, for me, it was very organic, just kind of very natural. God had already placed both of those people in my life. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, I needed somebody who understood ministry. That was that was big for me because I thought I've got to have people I can talk to, right? But I've got to have people who get it also mm-hmm. who aren't going to run mm-hmm. and take anything out of context. I've, I've got to be able to trust them, right? And so the the one guy, um, he's served in churches not as a staff member necessarily, uh, but has served in lay leadership roles and mentored pastors for years. And so I knew I could trust him. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy. Um, he is a medical doctor by profession, and I know he understands you got to keep some confidences. Mm-hmm. Not only that, he's a Christian yeah, and a, right. a strong believer, but I knew that he was able to know things and not feel compelled to just run out and, right. you know, mm-hmm. right. blurt it all out. And so, uh, with both of them, though, I will say we met probably for a couple of years before I really felt comfortable mm-hmm. and I tested them a little bit mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> you're smiling when you say well, that I'm saying, <laughs> exactly. I like it well, I'm, I'm saying smiling I would, with you there would be something yeah. that I'm like this is a real issue for me but it does it's not going to have any great consequence one way or mm-hmm. the other and so I would drop it in there you know and, and whenever I say test I, I don't know maybe that's not the right way to do it but for me I needed the confidence mm-hmm. that hey when I talk to these people it stays with us, like it, yeah. you know. And and I've told them, I was like, if I ever get into anything weird, yeah, you know, <laughs> right. Then I need, like, you've got permission to tell people, right. but I need you to let me know that you're gonna, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't. I think I think you probably have those people in your life. That's the short answer. You've got them in your life. It's a matter of honing in that part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I want, like, I need this in right. my life, and I told them that. I was like, mm-hmm. I need you to be something for me that you maybe aren't sure you signed up for. And so are you willing to be that sounding board? Are you willing to be that accountability? Are you willing to be that person who can hold a confidence and pray for me and, and still listen to me teach on a Sunday and, and and be a a cheerleader for me, you know, knowing that I'm growing and learning. So let me, let me see if I can put it into steps. So like, these people are probably already in your life slash be praying for these people in your life Mm -hmm. to like open doors and form conversations. Um, And then you also talked about how there was a verbal transaction there too. It's not some unspoken, Hey, like if someone doesn't know the ground rules to the relationship, then it makes it hard to have boundaries, which is another thing that she talks about. But the exchange of, Hey, I need some accountability here. Mm -hmm. If you don't like that word, that's a weird word. Find you know, right click and synonyms, so that's how you can do that. Yeah. So that so verbal exchange, and then also, and then um, do it. 
you got to meet with them. Yes, consistently. And you honest. said two years every Monday, every Wednesday. Oh, it's been I mean, a lot unless longer. there's yeah, like for a couple of years, I tested them. Yeah, uh, and then but yeah, we've been yeah a lot longer than yeah. at this point. It's a lot like dating. Hmm? Yes, <laughs> we, we talk about like mom friends. Like it's hard to find a mom friend. So that I yeah. like that too. Yeah, and don't panic if if somebody says no yeah. because they you they want them be, to say no if yeah, it's not if they're not going to take it seriously and. And like I said, if, if somebody goes into it thinking, okay, this accountability thing for me is going to be, it's going to just really be very, very emotional every week when we meet, and it's going to get really dark, and it's going to be really heavy. And, so, and some people are wired for that. I'm not wired for that. Right. And forward. so most weeks, it's really, we're just friends. We're having yeah. breakfast. We're talking about life. And yeah. um, sometimes it's, a lot of times it has nothing to do, the only spiritual thing we, we do is we pray together, and we share community with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Yeah. There, there's not, you know... It's, it's not a secret recipe to have it's this. Not, no, no. It's not always a book study. Mm-hmm. It's not always... Right. And I think sometimes that's where I went wrong early on, mm-hmm. is I felt like it had to be very... Because I'm a one. It, there's a curriculum. There's something we need yes. to go through. There's a, you know... We can't just wander in and have <laughs> right. community with no plan. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, like were it. there ever times that, um, you know, life happens and you missed a couple meetings and you like realize, oh man, that's not good. Like to make it a priority or did you just start out with that commitment? Like with all my vulnerability is like going to therapy. I'll think I'm good. And so then I'll like not go for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like miserable. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I should have been <laughs> or like exercise, like I'll exercise. I'll take like two days off and you would think that it's been a year. Mm-hmm. It could just be my age though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said about consistency. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it to me, I, like I look forward to those mm. um, breakfasts yeah. because they're, we're friends, yeah. and so I'm like hanging out with a with a friend. Yeah, and I don't I don't ever feel guilty if I'm not able to make a meeting, mm-hmm. and I don't ever get frustrated if I get a text that says, "Hey, I'm not gonna be able to make it today," because what we know is the next week, yeah, we're gonna jump back That's in the long game. You know, yeah. So if let's say he can't meet that week, do you go anyway and just keep the routine or like have? Uh, no, that's like, a good question. No, probably in. not. Yeah. <laughs> so like on Mondays, some of the other staff get together for a breakfast, mm-hmm. and so if I don't meet with my guy, then I just go meet with him. Yeah. And, yeah. and then Wednesdays, I normally just go. Okay, well, I need to get my day going. Right so there, you go. Works out. Okay, so kind of switching gears. So we've talked about vulnerability with other Christians. So how? Can we be vulnerable with God? Obviously, he knows everything, but sometimes, and he knows we know, and he knows we know, you know we know. So what can we do on our end, whether it's acknowledging things or walking through things or talking out loud or prayer life or whatever? How can Mm -hmm. we intentionally develop the relationship with God there? Well, I mean, I think... So my experience just... Personally, and then what I've seen a lot of people do, we try to sanitize even our vulnerability with God. Like, we try to make it a little better than it actually probably is. <laughs> I know what you did. I yeah, saw it. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, the reason I think vulnerability with other people is so important is a couple of reasons. And say, from me professionally, is whenever I get up and I say something like, I know what it's like to struggle with an addiction to pornography. Like, I, I, I get that. I know what that's like. In that moment, I just normalized 
for a whole bunch of people. Not saying I made it right, but there's a whole bunch of people in the room, men and women, who go, I'm, uh, he just said that out loud. Like, mm-hmm. how, how, how can you get by with saying that out loud? You're, you're the preacher. You're not supposed to say that kind of stuff. What do you mean you understand it? Um, so I, I think there's something very freeing whenever we just say it. It mm-hmm. is what it is, you know, or, or was what it was. Um, and, and so that, that's really important. So I think you take that same principle, you know, it says confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. That that's us being vulnerable with each other. I, why would the same exact principle not be at work in your personal prayer life in your just personal walk with God? God, today I'm going to confess to you. Like I'm really angry at you mm-hmm. because I feel like you let me down and I know you didn't mentally, like I can get there mentally. I can, I, I, cause I know enough Bible to go, God doesn't make a mistake. You know, he's sovereign. Mm-hmm. It's all going to work out. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, what I'm seeing my kid go through, I know you could stop it. And mm-hmm. it really, it just kind of, you know, that's not a preacher way to say it, but it pisses me off that you're mm-hmm. not fixing it. I want you to yeah. fix it. Mm-hmm. And so when we sanitize it and we're like, oh God, I just want to say, you know, today I trust you. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I get that. But fine. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think that there's something very liberating mm-hmm. to be honest and, and to say, yeah. today, God, I'm struggling with, temptation today um i've got anger in my spirit toward this co-worker um i don't even want to go to this meeting that i'm gonna have to go into Mm -hmm. because i know i'm right and they're wrong (laughs) but it looks like you're letting them win and Mm -hmm. you know so i think the same thing of confess your sins one another so that you may be healed that same principle is at work i mean does god already know yes he already knows which is what makes it so foolish to try to sanitize it right and whitewash it make it so right. pretty and he's like no your heart's still corrupt it, it's still a mess you're still you're still super broken and i need you to know that i think that so like you look in the scripture uh you know jesus is interacting with all different kinds of people so somebody's born blind or whatever use that as an example and he says what do you want me to do for you hmm. well <laughs> let me think i don't know yeah <laughs> with well, the obvious answer is I'd like to see. I think there's something to be said about that. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know. It's getting, I think, this person to go, you know, honestly, <laughs> I could say a lot of spiritual things here, but I'd like to see, or I'd like to walk, mm-hmm. or I would like to be freed up from this disease or this illness or whatever it is. And you see multiple times in Scripture where Jesus asks what seems to be really ridiculous Yeah, like questions. Adam and Eve, where are you? Right. Are you kidding? Yeah. You made this garden. You don't know where I yeah. am? We're not yeah. playing hide and seek. But then what was his next question whenever they said that they were naked and so they hid themselves? He said, well, who told you that? Mm-hmm. Who told you that? Because he wanted, I, I believe, in that moment he wanted to clarify. I didn't tell you that you were naked. I didn't tell you to run and I told right. you not to eat off that tree. Mm-hmm. That's what I told you not to do. Who told you all this other stuff? It wasn't that he didn't know. Yeah. It's that he, I think he wants us to have to really wrestle with the truth. Right. And like, the truth sometimes is ugly and we don't like it and right. it makes us feel inadequate or ashamed or whatever else, which honestly, that's the enemy at work. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it also. Whenever we stop sanitizing and realize that God meets us in the middle of the grossest part, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't want to say it amplifies his, his grace, but it, it clarifies it for us. And we're like, oh my gosh, you can still love me, even though 
I'm this horrible I, human being. I just being. told you all that stuff. And I was just honest yeah. with you that you, you, like, I'm really mad at you right now. And he's like, I know, but I'm still going to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to abandon you. And I know you yeah. think you want me to just kind of go to my side over there, but I'm not like, I'm here in a minute with mm-hmm. you. There's mm-hmm. something about that that I, I don't know. And, and for me, whenever I've had those most vulnerable moments with the Lord is whenever his mercy has been the most powerful mm-hmm. in terms of just my ability to see it. I'm like, oh my right. gosh, I can't. Yeah. Oh, can't even imagine. You know, like yeah. I would have given up on me a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And here you are, you're still in this thing with me. Right. It makes, so we're actually already doing this. If you're a parent, you're already doing kind of like the reverse side of it. If the kid's sitting there and there's paint all over the floor, you're not going to be like, <laughs> well, you want to guide them to the right thing. Like, well, what happened? <laughs> yeah. And then you're going to walk them through. Okay, well, what should we do next? Let's go get some paper towels and some sanity. So let's go do all those things. And you're not going to be mad at them. Mm-hmm. You're still going to love them. Like these things happen. So we and are. Whatever ridiculous thing they come up with that you know is not true. I didn't touch it. Right. I don't know. <laughs> it just exploded. Yeah. So I was trying to get the little marble. It's not a marble, I know. Uh, but in a spray can, you know. Mm, yes. Uh-huh. I was trying to get it out one time. And so I took a hatchet, my brother uh, and I. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. I mean, we didn't know. Duh. Pressurized gas and stuff. I don't know science We're just yet. kids. So we're just beating this oh can. Gosh. And it, it just, boom. And we never did find the were little you, marble. Thing. Were you inside or outside? We were outside. Oh, okay. But we had it apparently all over us and we ran to the back door and we were going to go inside yeah. and my stepmom she's like what happened and we're like what are you talking about we don't know we had no idea it was all over us like we had no idea we knew it was on our hands yeah. we were just going to go just in and wash our hands hide your hands but it it had covered our whole beings and so we were really trying to play off this thing and she's like well what do you mean nothing happened she said clearly something happened and we're like no no nothing happened until we got in front of a mirror we we literally thought we were <laughs> Getting by with something, mm-hmm. and then we got in front of a mirror, like, oh my gosh, there's no hiding this. It's we all look over. so silly. Yeah, who knew back then that God was going to let that be for me one of my most prized memories of the grace of God at work in my life? Because the number of things that I've done, and I've got the stain of sin all over me, like mm-hmm. it's it's just there. And then I know, I know the times that I've gone to God and been like. Oh, it's good. I don't even know what you're talking about. Doing just fine. Yeah. Trucking along. Nothing going on. Nothing nothing to see here. Just, (laughs) you know, keep going. And he sees it, but yet gives me grace. Mm -hmm. And um, Even while you're denying it. Yes. Mm. So, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't perfected the art, but it does seem like there's something very, like, why don't we just start fast-tracking his grace? And and I'm not talking about... Do we sin more so that grace will increase? Paul already answered that question. No, you don't do that. Right. But whenever you find yourself caught in sin or when you find yourself caught in some brokenness or whatever, mm-hmm. just admit it. Mm-hmm. Admit it. Um, and I don't know. I just, to me, I haven't found a place yet where confession has not been good for the soul. Mm-hmm. It's good for the soul. And you can't read the Old Testament or New Testament and get away from the art of confession. Yeah. Right. I think when I pray too, and I feel like I'm not getting the answers, I keep like praying a little more and a little more and a little more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I'm just like straight up with it, he's like, here's your answer. It's about time. Thank you. Why didn't you just do that first? And not that I like get I like said. answered prayers, but like I get the wisdom and, you know, feeling like he's putting the, you know, thoughts and words in my head. And it's like, oh man, I wish I had just started there. Like he yeah. said, like mm-hmm. weeks ago. But so. there's something about the process, yes, of you know, it's, I, I, right. that's the cool thing about 
God is just nothing seems wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could save ourselves some heartache, I think, yeah. if we just kind of, and we I think drawing kids into it's perfect. How many times we're looking at our kids going, this would be so much easier on you. Like, I yeah. I can wait this out. I see the Sharpie on your face. Yeah. Right, right. I know you ate it. <laughs> right. I know exactly what happened. Um, and I'm not mad. Yeah. But I need, I want you just, yeah. to to confess. I want you to be honest. Just be honest. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just be honest. So, like he said, when you're in the thick of it and, like, they're tantruming in the parking lot, you're letting them sit there and tantrum but not get run over. And then yeah. they calm down, and it's like, all right, let's go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you done now? Okay. Yeah, you Are you better. done being mad at me now? Let's figure yeah, this yeah. out. So let's say I don't know how to pray. Praying's weird. I'm not good at it. How can you walk us through, like, how do I pray slash confess mm-hmm. if I'm, whether I'm a Christian or not? Or how does that work if I don't know how to pray or talk to God? Yeah. Um, so if pretty much everybody knows how to talk. Mm-hmm. And so I... <laughs> I, I've been giving people a little bit of a hard time lately. I love but, it. I love that you know how to talk, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, great. Then you know how to Just pray. To do it's that. the same thing. Um, so, like on Sunday mornings, <laughs> I'll say something. <laughs> you could. Can we just text God? I guess. Well, I, get I don't know, I don't know what his number is. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like on whenever I'm teaching now, sometimes whenever I get to a place where I'm calling people to a place of repentance, and I'm like, listen, what the Bible prescribes is that you pray. And I know that that seems a little mystical for some people, and you don't really know how to do that. I said, but I know you know how to talk, because I heard you talking about the donuts, and I heard you talking about <laughs> the music, and I heard you talking just a minute ago while I was teaching to your <laughs> Like I, I know you. you know how to talk. <laughs> so just do that. Just just talk. And, and I think that sometimes in Christian circles, certainly in church circles and church leadership circles, we maybe have had a little more practice praying out loud, and so we string together words and sentences that a lot of times are a little overwhelming to somebody who's going, I can't do that, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to do that. Right. So don't compare. I think that's the first thing. Don't compare. Your your prayer is your conversation with God. Um, one of the most genuine, uh, just amazing Christian women I've ever had the privilege of knowing, uh, I met whenever I was in college, and she would always, and it still makes me feel weird whenever I hear this, but she would start her prayers, daddy, or hey daddy, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, that feels weird. <laughs> but but she, I asked her about it and she said, well, Abba is like a child's term for their dad. And she said, that's how I view him as, as my, I'm his child. And I was like, oh, okay. So theologically you got me, but it still feels weird <laughs> to me. Um, but for her, that set the tone. So whatever you've got to do, we've got interns. I heard one the other day praying, he went, hey, God, or uh, hey, Dad. And I was like, it, again, it was just like I went back to Allison in college going, mm-hmm. ooh, that's just weird to me. But it's, I don't think it's weird to God at all. And yeah. whenever they're praying, when you're praying, it's, you're not praying to anybody else other mm-hmm. than God. If talking to the air, mm-hmm. if that's the way it feels, if, if you can't do that, or you're just like, I just can't get over that, I don't really know what then I would say the next best thing would be to, to write it out or you could text it. I don't know if you're going to send it to you, but like you could punch it in yeah. and as a note or whatever else. I, don't, I think there's something really cool. I don't think that people are more spiritual if they journal. Mm-hmm. There, there was a season where mm-hmm. Christianity, they're like, if you don't journal, you're probably going to hell. And I was like, well. <laughs> Show me I, where that says that. Yeah, Genesis 17? I like... Yeah, the book of hesitation. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, sure. But maybe, <laughs> not, maybe write it down. I have down. not heard that one. No, there you yes. go. See there? 
But maybe oh maybe gosh. jot it down, write your prayer. Uh, I know my wife used to do that all the time. She would write her prayers out, and um, and that was very, very therapeutic for her. And she was able to connect, I think, more thoughtfully and intentionally to what she was saying and what she felt like needed to be said. So those would be the two main ways, I would say, for somebody that's praying is just do it. You know, don't overcomplicate it. Have a conversation. Don't worry about if it sounds good or not. Um, and then if, if that just seems like it's just too big of a leap initially, then sit down like you're writing a letter to God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or maybe it's a post-it note. There you and go. Maybe it's not going to be really yeah. verbose. Yeah. But just something, you know, start with something. Because that, that's what prayer is. It's us getting out of our own spirit what we believe needs to be said mm-hmm. to God. And there's, if you're, an, if you're an artist, maybe you paint something or a musician, you write a song or if you're a poet, you write a poem, whatever. Yeah. Um, so you're probably already doing the way that works probably easiest for you. You're already probably prob- doing probably, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Now I, I think sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes people can make things feel very, spiritual but they're not really directed toward God. I'm I'm speaking of do it as an offering oh, to yeah. as a connection mm-hmm. to what I would call the one true God. Right. You know, um and, and not just make it a, a mystical spiritual experience. But right. that you really do believe that our God hears you mm-hmm. and hears the song that you've written or the poem that you've written or the letter that you've written or the prayer that you're speaking. There's all different all different ways yeah. that you can do that. So we've talked about community Mm -hmm. so now and we talked about vulnerability with god so now let's talk about vulnerability with your spouse so as far as that goes whether it's you're a christian and they're not or we're both christians or we're thinking about it so what how can you be vulnerable in a healthy work and towards bettering the relationship with god yeah um so i'll put what i think is the warning out there and then if y'all want to build off that that's fine I think where we have to be careful is to not burden our spouses with things they're not equipped or called to carry for us. So that's that would be the, the flag. So right. is there anything that's off limits that a spouse shouldn't talk to their spouse about? No, I think that it's you could talk you should be able to talk about anything. Um, there were times earlier in our marriage where I would have an issue like I don't have an iPad um I had an iPad and I was just like okay this is too tempting I, I don't need that mm-hmm. I don't need that in my life and so got rid of the iPad <clears throat> um and I needed I needed my wife to know why I couldn't have the iPad I was like listen I didn't do anything but I am telling you I've got real close and thought long and hard about it and I was just afraid I would get caught that's the honest truth of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she didn't like hearing that, but she understood because it wasn't the first time she had heard that, Hey, that was a real issue for me, you know, back whenever I was in college and in high school and college. And so I, she was able to handle that because of what she already knew to be true. And, mm-hmm. and so I don't feel like I burdened her with anything over, you know, I don't want to say I had a burden or with anything because I'm right. sure she's like, oh my gosh, I mean, is there whatever. Uh, but I felt like I, I owed that to her and and I did owe it to her. So I don't have any regrets about just coming clean and saying, listen, here's the reason I'm giving the iPad to one of the kids. I, I don't need it. don't need to know the passwords. I don't, I'll just stick with my paper notes mm-hmm. for preaching, you know, well, and, and if you look, that's what I use. And, yeah. uh, 
and and which is fine. That's that's yeah. what I need. I need that. That's... And you had her fight. She's in your corner fighting for yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. So to be able to share yeah. that, I mean, just like any good teammate, like, hey, I'm really struggling with this on the field. Can you get my back? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. Why would your spouse not want to do that for you too? Yeah. So it makes sense. So one of the things you said is probably going to make some difference. You know, are both the husband and wife, are they both Christians? Mm-hmm. Or are they, are neither one of them Christians? Um, it, it does make a difference in the way somebody would respond. I'm not sure it makes a difference in should you be willing and able to become one. We just believe that. That's, I mean, because that's what scripture teaches. So certainly for two believers, we trust that what the scripture teaches is true for them. Now, do two become one who are unbelievers? I don't think that's their biggest issue, honestly. I mean, if you just kind of pace out the rest mm-hmm. of their life, right. I would say salvation is the thing that we need to be most concerned about. Um, but for two believers, I just think that you've got to be able to share um, kind of the, I don't know, the ugly stuff yeah. and the stuff that, that feels really vulnerable and, and, and a little bit scary. But you need to be cautious in how you share certain things. You know, if somebody's, I don't know what even the example is, but if, if, if somebody has this big kind of issue that they've been battling in private, in secret for a long time, um, it, it may not be the worst thing to talk to a pastor or somebody first and mm-hmm. just say, listen, I feel like my spouse mm-hmm. needs to know this. But what's the best way to for us it. to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I don't want to saddle them with this burden that they're not equipped to carry. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to fix it. Excuse me for me. I don't expect them to make it all go away. I don't, I don't expect them to understand. Like I don't, understand, I don't expect anything. But I need to let them know because it's affecting us. Right. I know it's affecting us. Even they don't even know it's affecting mm-hmm. us, but it is. Then you can get the wise counsel from somebody to help navigate based on what the details of the situation actually are. Um, but no, I, I think whenever I'm worried about money, I want my wife to know whenever she's worried about something, I I want her to let me know. Mm -hmm. We're just better whenever there aren't secrets and Mm -hmm. she is drama free. She does not like drama. Um, and I have gotten to where I don't like drama either. I don't mind if I, but I don't go out looking for them anymore. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't like surprises. That's very important to her. So I've learned that. And so it's just better if I'm having a bad day, if there's something going on that I'm worried about or something with the kids that I know about or whatever. I'm like, hey, I don't want you to be caught off guard. I want to be sure that you know that this is going on. And then she's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, no, that's good for me to know. And then we're okay. So as the spouse receiving the whatever the struggle mm-hmm. is, Mike, Morgan comes home and tells me this thing. What is my best response to kind of either point it back to God or like involve that somehow, mm-hmm. like yeah. whether I'm totally floored at, oh, uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Or, well, I think it's fine to say I'm not a hundred percent sure what to do with that information, but I want you to know that I'm grateful you shared it with me. Okay. So you don't have to have an answer. No, no. And you may not have an answer the next day or the next week right. either because, it, and they may not need you to have an answer right. because again, they may not, I didn't need my wife to do anything for me. I wanted her to know why, you know, I had this iPad that suddenly now I'm given to our oldest and I'm just, I feel like she deserved to know. I didn't want to be like, well, I mean, I just don't need the thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. Why not? Tell I her? want her to know, mm-hmm. Hey, listen, I, I want to be the very best husband to you that I know how to be. And I want to be as pure in my thinking and 
in my mind and my heart as I know how to be. And that I don't think is going to help me get there. So I need to get rid of that. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to create a problem for us. And I remember her response was, I appreciate you letting, letting me know. And, and that's kind of where it ended. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you sure? Like, do you have any questions? Do you want to check anything? Like I'm, I'm an open book. I, I'm not trying to hide anything. You're not going to find anything, but you're welcome. She's got all my password. I mean, she can go and look at yeah. if she wants to anyway. But, and she's like, no, I, I trust you. She said, I trust you. She said, I, I know that this was a problem a long time ago. And it just feels like it's just kind of, you're going, mm, I could go back there if I'm not careful. Right. And I said, yeah, that's exactly it. And she said, well, I appreciate you letting me know that. Mm-hmm. But it... It could have been something bigger, and it, or for her that yeah. would have been more devastating. And I think that the proper response for her in that moment would not be to react with what she was feeling, but to say, "I'm going to need some time to kind of process all of this." Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate you because they did go out on a limb. Oh, for sure. So they, I think the confessing spouse, whatever the issue is, mm-hmm. um, even if it feels like it, I wouldn't diminish it either. Like if it's a really big thing, I, I've had to learn in ministry to quit looking shocked. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, no more okay, sin yeah. shocked. Yes. Yeah, like, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when inside of me, are you kidding me? Holy cow! <laughs> you know. But but internally, it's like okay, I'm gonna and I do that in counseling. I'll tell people I don't know for sure what to tell you mm-hmm. right now, but I appreciate you sharing it with me. I know that took a lot of courage. What if I got back with you? And they're like, okay, yeah, that's good. And what I've realized is that people are like, no, that would be better than you just blowing smoke at me right. because I actually for need sure. help here. So I think that would be the appropriate thing for a spouse. Or to not diminish it either. Don't devalue yeah. it because it was hard for them to confess it. Right. So don't be like, oh, that's not a big deal. Gosh, just, you know, because they probably have labored all day long or for a week about this moment. Finally where they're, Yeah, you. now I'm finally going to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. You just blow it off. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, oh, I don't, maybe I didn't communicate. It's really good for opening up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, Shut it discourage down. them from being vulnerable. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who doesn't want to be vulnerable with their spouse because they don't want to burden their spouse so, you know, then you're living this, like, lukewarm relationship because... You don't want to... In my opinion, run. there's a level of intimacy in being vulnerable, you know, with your life. Um, yeah. Not just physically, but just emotionally and mentally and all that, too. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it, you probably, you know, anytime expectation and reality collides, frustration occurs. And so, if you're... If one spouse's expectation for vulnerability is just looks way different than the other spouses. First of all, I'd say you got to talk about it. Make sure that you're at least talking about the same expectation because if you're not, there's no way the other person is ever going to meet that expectation because they don't even know what it is. They're shooting right. at a completely different target. So I would make sure that you go, you know, have a conversation of, Hey, I just, I just wonder if maybe our intimacy in, you know, just in our relationship could be stronger and more open and honest if we were more vulnerable with each other, whatever. That's a lot of times harder for the male because we've been kind of programmed our mm-hmm. whole lives, you know, don't feel things, don't get emotional. It's, you just got to mm-hmm. kind of suck it up and go, you know? Um, and so you got to, I think you got to figure out what the expectation is first. Um, and then on the other side of that, if, if it's, I think that the main thing is that they're being, vulnerable with somebody. So if, if, if I need guy talk, my wife doesn't know what it's like to be a guy. I mean, you know, so for me to be super vulnerable with her about certain things or whatever, 
could really set her up at a disadvantage because I'm drawing her into things that she doesn't even understand. Just like, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. So whenever she's talking to me about certain things, I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I <laughs> uh, want to. How do I get I want to be, this? yeah, I want to <laughs> be like helpful and whatever, but I have no idea what it's like mm-hmm. to feel mom shame. I don't have any idea what it's like to whatever. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you pick your illustration. So I'm really content if I know she's got a couple of women in her life where she's actually able to share those things Mm -hmm. and they're giving her good, healthy, spiritual feedback, Mm -hmm. then I'm okay with that because I think it's more important she has an outlet than it is for the outlet to be me. Mm -hmm. Right, because if you're fighting with your husband, you don't want to be like... Well, guess what, husband? Guess what my husband said? This yeah. this like, uh, you might need yeah. to get some good well, perspective. And, and he may be right when he says, you've got to get a grip. Yeah. That wasn't oh, that big yeah. of a deal. He may be right, but you're not going to hear that from him. Right. But if you have another lady in your life that's <laughs> able to say, look, you need to calm down because you're punishing him for something he mm-hmm. didn't even do. It wasn't even, or whatever, you know. And, it, and, and I need the same thing with, you know, the guys in my life. I need them to say, to me, you know, with my kids or with my wife or whatever else. Hey, you need to, you're wrong here, Randy. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. And mm-hmm. I, and they are trying to tell you that, but you won't listen to them. Right. But you need to hear me say you're wrong. And they've done that for me before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh gosh, now i got to go home. And, and apologize to her. Yeah, Jeez. I'd be like, hey, I, I, I get it. You were trying to tell me, but I was just too prideful to see it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's more important that they Which get it Which is vulnerable out. also, going back and... Hey, sorry. Being sorry and apologizing is vulnerability yeah. too. Yeah. So, oh, what were you going to say? Um, well, my next question is going to be: What if you're not vulnerable because when you have been, it's a negative reaction yeah. or not what you're looking for? But you already kind of answered that in that you know having an expectations about hey when I'm sharing something that is a big deal to me and you respond like this this really? or this mm-hmm. why are you even mad about that you yeah. know? But I think what's important is having that discussion outside of a sharing time. Yes. Like, don't yes. share yeah. something and then see, okay, that was a great example of how I don't want you to act. Can we talk <laughs> yep. now about how I do want you to act? So Yeah, um, so, I, so whenever I do marriage counseling, uh, a lot of times I'll encourage couples to come up with rules of engagement because yes. there's always going to be conflict. And the rule is n- don't ever make the rule whenever you're mad, but mm-hmm. each of you get one or two rules. And so... It might be that these two people, whenever they sit down, they come up with these things of like, hey, listen, I feel like there's sometimes things that I just need to share with you because I love you and I want you to know, but I don't expect that you necessarily want to know or that you're going to have some kind of response that is going to turn into a big, long conversation. But as your spouse, I just, like, I, it's important for me that I share these things with you, like what I'm, what I'm thinking or whatever else. So... What if, whenever I, we do this, you don't roll your eyes? Mm-hmm. Or would, would it be asking too much for mm-hmm. you to, to not be dismissive? Because even though I don't expect you to like totally get it or, mm-hmm. or, or feel the weight of it the way I do, I do need you to at least acknowledge... It's a big deal to that, you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, it, that it's a real thing for me. And I promise I won't, I won't take up you know, three hours a night or anything like that, you know, but mm-hmm. maybe it's 15 minutes a week where we just sit down on the couch and we just mm-hmm. look at each other and I just get to share something with you. Mm-hmm. You can share something with me and then we can pray for each other and then we're done. can really be that simple. I think so. Yeah. It can. Yeah. And it needs to be mm-hmm. honestly, because again, that's the very beginning we said, 
if this confession, vulnerability, accountability, all this stuff, if it turns into a project, it's not, there's mm-hmm. no life in that, I don't think. There's no life in it for me. But when it's a buddy sitting down over a meal with another buddy and we're just having conversations, mm-hmm. um, that's really, really good. And whenever it's just my wife and I just right. having a conversation. That's I like your importance good. of the house or the couch date. Like we're going to sit 15 minutes. Uh, me and Morgan recently discovered why couples fight on the way to church. Because everyone's busy during the week. Yeah. So like the 15 minutes you get is on the way to church. That, I hadn't thought of that. And you're just yeah. like, man! So Let we discovered this. Let me tell you this. what's going on in my life. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and the kids. I mean, those factor into the fights on the way to church. <laughs> a just bit. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that it's the intentional at least 15 minutes. That way we're not either blowing up before church or we're both about to go to work or we're about to put the kids down. It's always about to be doing yeah. something. But the intentional set a block Make it happen. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, and, and be intentional with, it's not always like me sharing mm-hmm. stuff about me. Sometimes it's me giving some interest in my life. Like uh, Valentine's, we went and made a hospital visit, and then we went and had lunch together and because we knew we weren't going to be able to have anything Valentine's. Well, there was a marriage banquet thing that night, mm-hmm. so I was at that. And um, and I wasn't kidding with with her even though it kind of came across as a joke and we never really got into it but I was like so how's your life you know like what's going on what what are are you dreaming about or whatever Uh you know but it felt kind of awkward because we don't have that conversation a lot right and and, but I thought you know what I need that I was kind of I wasn't being overly vulnerable whenever I asked because I asked in kind of a funny way Mm -hmm. she didn't know to take it seriously right uh but I really I really am curious I mean you know her her first baby's getting ready to graduate from high school uh, we know we're going to be moving her to college soon. Mm-hmm. We are stressed out about how to pay for it. We, right. you know, we got all these things going on. Um, and I don't know that I've, I know I haven't just really asked her how her heart is, mm-hmm. what's she dreaming about, what's she looking forward to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, and so that's the other part of it. It may be that sometimes it's the person maybe doesn't even know how to ask, but that could be one of our goals is to say, listen, in order to help create some vulnerability, I'm going to ask questions that, mm-hmm. that seem to matter, you know, and, and that we've never talked about. What are, you, what are you dreaming about? What has your heart hurting right now? What are you scared of? What, do you, what, what has you afraid of the future? Uh, what are you most excited about that's going to happen in the next year mm-hmm. if everything goes as planned? You know, Those are also good questions to ask your kids. And those are all like simplistic ways to say it. What, what's bothering you right now? Or- yeah. I mean, you can you can make it that for your kids too. I like asking it. questions too. You, you're putting yourself out there to hear the answers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh. sometimes you kind of have that control if you're dominating the conversation. Then you, you know, can steer clear. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, no, we're not talking about that anymore. Yeah. I was really yeah. hoping you would say this, but you said not what I needed you to say. <laughs> Never asking that again. Um, can you give us some vulnerability do's and don'ts? Of either like in community with your spouse, with your friends, mm-hmm. and then what are some don'ts? Like in counseling, have you ever been like, especially if they're both couples are sitting there, that you're like, whoop, nope, that's, <laughs> there's a better way we could have led into that topic. Or in your early preaching days, that you're like, well, that didn't exactly get received the way I was hoping mm. it would. Or Yeah, I, I think, you know, as far as the do of being vulnerable, I think it's biblically mandated of Christians 
so the do would be you've got to be more vulnerable and I think vulnerable just means to be more open and to be honest mm-hmm. about what it is that you are excited about it's not all negative right, you right. Know? what is it that's really got you fired up what's your vision what's your calling mm-hmm. what you know what what's the what's the thing God's doing right now uh, but sometimes it, it does feel heavier than that. Mm-hmm. What is it that has you afraid? What is it that you're not 100% sure how it's going to work out? And if God doesn't show up, you're going to sink. You know, like mm-hmm. what are those things? You've got to figure out somebody to share that with. And and so the do, the initial do, is you've just got to start somewhere. And it probably is going to start by being honest with yourself mm-hmm. to say, I've never really liked me. Or I've never really seen any real positives in me. That's where I was about five years ago. <clears throat> Led me to counseling. And I, w- I was pretty open about a lot of things leading up to that. But what I had never really been open about was I didn't like me. And I didn't think anybody else did either. And I thought every time I get up to teach, everybody in the room is going, dang, I wish it was Paul or David, you know, or it was wish it was this person or that person. Like that was the way I felt about it. And so I was super insecure and did not like myself. I did not find freedom from a lot of other insecurities until I was honest about the first one. And the first one was I didn't see me the way God sees me. There was a lot of freedom once I started tapping into that. And so the first thing about being vulnerable is you've got to be honest with yourself. Start there and then see where that takes you. I think that, that then... Once you're honest with yourself, and it may not be as ugly as my stuff. I'm just saying, you know, whatever it is, just be honest with yourself. And and then test the waters with some people and, and ask them, are you somebody that would be willing to meet with me? Because I need this kind of vulnerability and openness and, and transparency in my life. So that would be the first thing. Uh, the, second, the second thing in, in terms of do is, so just do it. Uh, the, the second thing is be wise as far as um, who you share what with. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody can be a good steward of everything. Right. And, and so some people, it will burden them. If, you know, there's some things that I'm, I might not, even as a 45-year-old, like I might not say to my mom or share with her because it would burden her. And she would think it was her fault or something. Mm-hmm. It's not wise for me to do that because it's not her fault. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't burden her. Mm-hmm. But because of her role in my life, she's going to take it that way. So I've got to be a good steward of, okay, I need to be discerning here as far as who I share this with. And if I'm going to share something on the platform on a Sunday, I got to be careful because I don't want to accidentally indict other people in my life. Right. And so you got to be careful with that too, even with friends, whoever your friend is Mm -hmm. that maybe you're sharing things with. So that would be that. And then the don't, I I think the, the biggest don't is just don't throw your pearls before the swine. And that's, this sometimes people get just so I think get so open and so free with all of their confession and whatever else that it it doesn't have the power that it's supposed to have because it's not being shared with the right people and I think we live in a culture right now it's really interesting to me whenever I think about college age kids in particular there's something really sexy about confessing things and getting everybody kind of around you like oh man it's so awesome that you're open and honest and sharing all this stuff but there's no one that's holding them accountable. Right. To Nothing stop happens it. after that. Yeah, stop mm-hmm. it. You've got to stop it. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm not saying that that's pearls before swine, but it might be. 
even though they're hugging you and patting you on the back and right. praying for you and whatever else, you you got to be careful to make sure and and don't throw all of that out there in front of somebody who's not going to help you mm-hmm. with with and, and speak truth to you. Like I said, I need somebody to say, Randy, you messed that up. Mm-hmm. You did, and I I one time I disciplined my daughter. Uh, she was probably four or five years old and I'd swatted her and, um, she, I'd gotten up and gone over to where she was and I went and sat down and we're at a friend's house and she came over and I didn't even know I did it, but I just kind of held her back and, and whatever. Well, we finished our evening and the guy that owned the house, he said, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah. And I didn't know what he was going to talk about. He said, your discipline of her, he said, was really good. I feel like he said, just as a parent, he said, it didn't seem over the top. You did, you seemed very in control and whatever else. I thought, oh, yeah, man, that's cool. He wanted to hold me back to tell me how awesome I am. He said, but it broke my heart whenever I saw her coming back over to you and you kept her at arm's length. He said, all she wanted was to know that things were going to be okay between mm-hmm. the two of you. That's all she really wanted. And you communicated no. I hated that. Yeah. I hated that. I hated that. And in that moment, I was mad at him. Because mm-hmm. I was like, who are you yeah. to be telling, you know, whatever. But about a day later, I thought, thank you, God, for right. putting somebody in my life that had the chutzpah to tell me the truth about mm-hmm. it. Because I've never disciplined them that way again. Like, I've, I spent my kids. About it. But if, mm-hmm. whenever they come back, I give them a hug. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. hey, it's, it's, what's done is done, you know, whatever yeah. else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I needed that. And so, I know that's a little bit of a departure, but... We no, need those good. people in our life. We need the people that are going to tell us the truth. Mm-hmm. And so don't just throw it all out there for willy-nilly and expect to get good fruit from that because you won't. You'll you'll throw it to people who can't handle it, who we weaponize your honesty, mm-hmm. and they'll use it against you. And so you got to be careful, I think, with that. And I think like you were just saying, too, you you know who you can tell, and they'll tell you, you're fine, that's fine. Mm-hmm over and over and over but then you mm-hmm. like check it off as like well I told someone and they told me it's fine mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. it's not done. just a check box yeah. there needs to be some good feedback like you were saying yeah so I don't know if I if I come up with a good list or something no, that, that was great you, that was good that was very good mm-hmm. it's exactly what we needed is there anything else like what what are some any final takeaways you want our listeners to hear or anything you want to drive home in particular? No, I, I don't think so. The only other thing that I thought of was I did have a friend one time who told me, um, he said, You've, you're so open about your weaknesses and failures. He said, where, does, where would somebody find the victories in your life? Because I, I, I guess, had gotten to the place where whenever I was teaching, I wanted so badly for people to be able to connect and, and not feel like I was better than them or whatever mm-hmm. else, that every illustration was a failure or every illustration was here's where I struggle or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, sometimes he said, I think just as a, a person who's sitting in the congregation, we also need to hear where God's working and mm-hmm. doing good things right. and really empowering and inspiring. And uh, and that was a good, that was good critical feedback for me as well because I thought, yeah, you're right. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just that God is faithful in the broken areas and present in the broken areas, but he's also doing some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm better today than I was a year ago. I'm different today than I was five years ago. I do like me now. And I know, and I've gotten some clarity. There are people who don't, 
but there are some who do. And so whenever I get up on a Sunday, I'm like, you know, hey. Yeah. Yeah. And whoever doesn't like me, they'll be fine. The law next of 80, week, 20. somebody will be there next week. Law of 80, 20. Like, you know, and it's fine. Mm, yep. Uh, but God's called me today to be here. And yeah. so um, that would be the only other thing is that, that that vulnerability is not absent. What's not missing in vulnerability and what should be included in vulnerability is testimony of the good things that God's doing also. Hey, I want, mm-hmm. I want to share this with you, not just my struggle. I want to share with you how faithful God's been to draw me out of that struggle. Right. I want to share with you what God's doing. He's given me a new vision for something. I want to share that with you. To me, that's vulnerable also. And I think it's super important to not get too lopsided where it's just mm-hmm. the ugly stuff. Because God gets glory in that, but he also gets some right. pretty good props. You know, when yeah. he's like, I, I fixed that part uh, hello. of your spirit. Yeah, yeah. It's okay to be thankful for the things yeah. I did for you. Yeah, for sure. That made me think of another question. What would you say to someone that is hesitant in the book of hesitations uh, (laughs) (laughs) about being vulnerable and sharing their faith with non-believers or people that haven't even Mm -hmm. had someone in their life that is a believer to bring God to their life and introduce them to Jesus? Um, What would you say to somebody who like knows that's like the right thing to do or what they should be doing, but that seems very vulnerable Mm -hmm. either how to overcome that or how to equip yourself to feel more capable yeah. of doing that? I think the biggest thing is, for me, early on, I was afraid of rejection. I was like, well, what if what if I say something that pushes them further away? And I think if that's the issue, you have to get over that and say, push them further away from what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're currently apart from Christ. And so there's, there's really... There's really only two two positions. You're either mm-hmm. in Christ as a child of God or an enemy of God apart from Christ. That's it. And so if somebody rejects what I'm trying to offer them in terms of my testimony or what I believe to be the truth, then they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting the testimony of what I believe has happened in my life and mm-hmm. what I believe to be the truth. And so um, I, for me, there's just... In Christianity in general, it feels like there's just a lack of urgency. And if we could get the urgency back, then we would be like, I don't, I don't really care. If, I mean, I care if they reject me, but right. but I want them to know. Like I, because if if this passes, and I don't get a chance to tell them again, then I would I would rather live with the fact that they rejected me. Uh, and since for people that are listening on podcasts, I did the air quotes. <laughs> uh, I would rather they reject that. Um, than for me to go, I never had the courage to tell them. And right. I believe this is the main thing. And we could we could come up with a million different illustrations. Well, if you had the cure to cancer, if you had the cure to this, or if you had the solution to that or whatever else, we would tell everybody. And, and we would do it unashamedly. Right. And we have, I believe, the solution to, you know, I, I say it's the solution. You, we have the way to avoid eternal separation from God in a real place called hell for all of eternity. We have the solution to that. And I feel like, man, let's share it. Yeah. <clears throat> and if somebody rejects us, they reject us. Yeah. All you can do is follow the call. <coughs> well, excuse me. what an amazing interview. I loved yes. it. Thank you so much for coming yeah. and talking about 
how to have vulnerability in your walk with Christ. Yes, extremely helpful. A lot of really good practical. I love practical. You do too. <laughs> practical <coughs> steps and takeaways. Yes. Just in time because I'm choking now. Great. Okay. All right. No, well, that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> You're so emotional. So yeah. this interview was so amazing. Well, thank you for exercising your vulnerability. We really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We're here to help you become your best self with a community that cares.